Welcome to Sleepless at St. Canard, where Nostalgia Places Run Cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept in 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s classic cartoon Darkwing Duck, where our hero isn't the only thing that goes bump in the night. Where sidekick syncope is a way of life, where plucky daughters cause so much havoc that not even legitimate hauntings phase her father, and where we ask you, our listeners, will you play with me? In today's episode, The Haunting of Mr. Banana Brain. <laughs> a very appropriate episode for, you know, the Halloween season. They really go all out with the spookiness. Yes, this one is, is pretty, pretty creepy. They, I think they do a pretty good job, though, of, like, keeping it not too creepy, like something goofy will happen. But if you think of it out of context and if you, like, try to put yourself in their situation, I'm like, this is really, this is really pretty creepy. <laughs> This is not okay. <laughs> I like their decision to tell the story as a flashback instead of a present day episode. And then yes. using the flashback to their advantage for the comedy potential of having all the characters narrate and mess around with the story as they're telling it was just A+. Plus. I don't see that. Yes. I don't think I have seen that before in a cartoon and I don't see it very often at all in general so i thought that was very clever like even the way they it they open this up with the title and everything it's just mm. so good <laughs> yes it's it's very good there's a, a movie trip called a rashomon which is what they do it's like the same story told by different people it's kind of like that only this one is is they all kind of chime in at certain points and it's it's done very well so yeah, so this is what we will be discussing today. Do we have any news at the top of the podcast here? I do not believe we do. Things have been very quiet on the Darkwing Duck front. Uh, I think for people who are waiting on the Q-figurines, the Q-fig of Negaduck and Darkwing, I had been watching the Twitter account for that, and it sounds like they're coming soon, but they are behind in actually receiving them so that they can ship them out. So anyone who has been waiting on a Negaduck or a Darkwing Duck Q-Fig, hopefully, I think by late October or November, I think they're aiming on shipping them out. So, so maybe that. by the time that this podcast is hitting the interwebs, yes, you will have... You will have your your new friends slash villains. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so then let's dive on in here. If you would like to watch this episode and then, uh, you know, hang out with us as we talk about this episode, it is Disney Plus Season 1, Episode 56, Quacker Jack's Doll is Possessed by a Spirit. I mean, it's, it's not wrong, but it is a very simplified... I feel like if you were watching this episode for the first time and you only had that summary to go on and then you watched the episode, I feel like you'd be like, wow, I was not expecting that. You're like, you know what? I mean, true, but also could have put, could have put a couple more lines in there. That's fine. Oh, good. So you want to give us a, a little recap of uh, the episode here, Ange? Sure. So this is the only episode in which the character Patty Wack appears in. But I would say that this is probably up there as a fan favorite episode. 
it's not like the most popular, but when you're thinking of iconic Darkwing Duck episodes, this is definitely one of them. And Paddywhack is one of those characters that appeared once, but people really like him as a character. And you can see why, because, you know, we've got Phil Hartman voicing him, and he does a really good job at being both funny, but also scary as hell. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably the only episode when I saw it as a kid that I think unnerved me a little bit because of his character design. What is it about taking any kind of existing character and stretching them out so that they have really long limbs that makes them so creepy? Because it's like t- the modern day version is Slender Man when you think about it. It's like that idea of monsters with like really long gangly limbs and his design just creeps me out. It just lands him right in the uncanny valley. It's like something that's familiar but just wrong enough to be like, your brain is like, nope, 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 you're wrong. Nope, this isn't, I'm in danger. Exactly. So on the, yeah. so it's a good episode. Like I said, it's told as a flashback story, but they are very clever about how they use that to tell the story, which you'll see when we discuss it because there's, there's a ton of stuff in this that just made me laugh. I haven't watched this episode in a while, so watching it again, I was like, oh, that's much funnier than I remembered. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> it's a classic. Like, it's a, it's a Quacker Jack episode, but Quacker Jack is, you know, he gains an unexpected rival slash friend. I don't even know. Ri- frenemy? Slash, slash tormentor? Yes. So it's... It's just a fun episode, so yeah, I guess we could jump into it and talk about all the spookiness. Okie dokie, so as we open up our episode here, it begins as so many of these episodes do, of Darkwing standing atop uh, Darkwing Tower, monologuing to the fourth wall, um, just talking about how great he is, you know, normal normal Darkwing stuff, and Goslin hops she she's in the tower and you know he's like oh what are you doing here you should be sleeping she's like oh i can't sleep but as she's talking to him she like climbs out the window to stand on this narrow tiny little ed- ledge of the audubon bay bridge towers and i'm like excuse me could you all stand back inside like <laughs> this is too dangerous <laughs> everybody needs to be very careful out there so in uh an effort to appease Goslin and himself most, you know, first and foremost, Darkwing agrees to tell her a story about his favorite uh, topic, his himself, and proposes that he tell her the tale of the triumphant triumph of Darkwing Duck. A plus. And A plus. As he, as he says it, it's great. It's like he's standing on top of the bridge and pointing dramatically into the sky. And as he says the words, they appear in the sky as the title card of the episode. <laughs> and it, it was, it's really, it's a clever gag. And I just got me thinking about what would that episode even be? The triumphant triumph of Dark Queen Duck. And for some reason, it reminded me of the Batman, the animated series episode, Almost Got Him. Do you know that one? I think I saw it once a long time ago. Okay. Well, it's it's basically the Batman rogues gallery playing a game of poker, and they're just swapping stories of how, about how they almost kill Batman, 
And uh, spo- spoilers, if anybody else wants to, to pause or skip ahead, if I'm going to spoil another 30-year-old cartoon show. Uh, Batman is actually in disguise as one of them. Ah. And then he, you know, foils the plot that's going on in the background. So I'm like, oh, that would be a, that would be a fun Darkwing Duck episode, too. Just like all the villains sitting around talking about Darkwing stories. And that's where my brain went. So the triumphant triumph of Darkwing Duck. Um it is immediately shot down by Goslin. And she's the one that suggests the haunting of Mr. Banana Brain. And as, of course, as she speaks, her her narration causes the new title card to come up in the sky. <laughs> so funny. And, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and poor, poor Launchpad. <laughs> <laughs> we, we dealt with this all last episode, too. With uh, Fungus Among Us, and Launchpad is just not at all interested in reliving any kind of scary memories. So he's just kind of like, can we, can we not, can we not talk about that one, please? And even Darkwing is like, oh, uh, maybe not that one. But she's like, nope, this is happening. <laughs> Saddle up, bros. And <laughs> she, as we've said numerous times. There's narration through this episode. It's not constant, uh, but when it is there, it's a lot of fun. And Goslin kicks it off with... It started when my cheapskate dad copped out on a trip to Whirling Waterworld and took us to the museum instead. Hey, do you know what admission prices are now? (laughs) Just gotta get a dig in on them. But as she's walking into this museum, she looks so annoyed (laughs) it was it made me laugh she just looks so out of it it's adorable so he's taking her to a toy museum um allegedly we only see this one room of it and there's a you know probably not a plot point at all wink wink a jack-in-the-box covered in chains <laughs> sitting on a pedestal in the middle of this room. Um, you know, just with random other toys and glass cases and stuff like that. And it got me thinking. I went down a couple rabbit holes this episode. Um, it got me wondering what, like, the first possessed toy story ever was. Not like, you know, Woody and Buzz, but just toys in general. Um, and I didn't really find a, de- a definitive answer, although most, like, the general consensus seems to be an author named E.T.A. Hoffman's story called The Sandman, uh, which involves an automaton that looks like a woman that was built by an alchemist, like, trying to screw with a guy. Um, but it seems like if every- everybody and their brother has a cursed doll story, <laughs> there's so many of them. But, of course, the superstars of the creepy doll world are Annabelle. Uh, we should all know Annabelle from the Conjuring movies and such, who, up until a couple of years ago, you could actually go and see her. Uh, she's in the Warren, the you know, Ed and Lorraine Lauren, who are the characters in the Conjuring and were real people, um, have a museum, quote unquote, attached to their house where they keep all their creepy stuff. And Annabelle is in there, and they're somewhere in Connecticut. Uh, the BuzzFeed Unsolved guys went there. If you would like to see Annabelle be sassed at, I recommend watching it. 
she's just a raggedy ant doll behind in like this really opulent glass case because she's so evil um so there's annabelle and then there's one that i hadn't heard of before called robert the doll oh i've never heard of that one yeah he's i don't know he didn't seem all that spooky to me but he's a weird looking doll that is in a museum in florida somewhere but you know like apparently he would move things around and everybody thought it was super creepy but he's kind of weird because he's he's I don't know what he's made out of, but he's got like holes in his face now for whatever material made up his face is, is eaten away. So he's looking a little worse for wear. He's also wearing a sailor suit. So, you know, you got to respect a man in uniform. So wait, are so these, that, are these fictional dolls that appeared in horror movies or are they actual dolls that have like a myth surrounding them? Um, the second one, they are real dolls that are supposedly, you know, purportedly haunted oh i i thought annabelle was a movie thing nope she's she's a real thing i mean not so much like the movie portrays her to be but she um you know like there's a whole bunch of nonsense about her the warrens were not great people i'll just put that that's that in there without going too much deeper in but um you know they're saying you don't sass talk Annabelle. Like people crash if they insult her when they're they were in the museum. Like this couple came and sassed her and crashed their motorcycle and they died on their way home and and stuff like that. You know all that kind of spookity oogity boogity stuff. Oh, okay. I thought you meant fictional because I was like, why haven't you brought up Chucky? But Chucky's not yeah. real. <laughs> Chucky is not real. He's just a murderous my buddy doll. No, these are these are actual dolls that exist in the real world um, that you can go and see. Except for Annabelle, who is locked up in Connecticut somewhere, as most people who live in Connecticut are. <laughs> Apologies to anybody in Connecticut listening right now. So that was my little rabbit hole about you know, possessed toys. Back to in this uh, exhibit, they don't even have batteries and all that kind of stuff. Um, and a toy museum, honestly, to me, it sounds pretty interesting, but it, I could also see it being just super creepy as hell. And in my research, trying to, you know, see if, you know, the toy, the possessed toy thing, I, uh, came across an article by the Smithsonian about a, like an antique toy store in London called Pollux, where they have all different kinds of super old toys on display. And the one guy was saying that, where it's situated in the the house that they converted into this museum, the doll room gets super dark when it the sun goes down and people just nope out. They just do not go in there. Like <laughs> it's too dark in there for me. I'm not going in there. It's <laughs> like yeah, I can't blame them. I cannot blame them. So here you go. Some some, some real world knowledge for you there. Do you think Paddywhack would be a haunted doll or toy, or is he actually a demon that just lives within a toy box. Well, see, that's the thing. We don't know. We don't know what he is. He's, he's, he, he I don't know. I feel like he's kind of like a drop dead Fred situation because he's stuck in the Jack in the box, but he has his own like dimension in there. So I think he's pr- more like a trickster God. 
maybe, because he has the power that he feeds on people's misery. Isn't really like a ghostly kind of thing, unless I'm, you know, horror movies have lied to me my whole life. I was thinking a demon in the way that you have, like, succubi who, you know, feed on, like, lustful or whatever love-related stuff. But this is misery. So I was like, maybe he's some form of demon that needs to feed on stuff. But I could see that. He and he's got like the teeth. He doesn't look like a, a classic demon. He definitely has the creepy clown. I don't even know what the heck to call him. He's just a monstrosity. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the, des- the design, it's the legs make me really uncomfortable because he's he's black and white. <laughs> And he's mm-hmm. got the sharp teeth, and he's got that weird thing over his head, a cowl, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's all, like, okay. And then you get to those legs, and, like, he's he's sitting at one point, I guess, uh, like, when he's in when the When he's tower. behind Drake? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. When he's mm-hmm. behind Darkwing, and he has, like, big, yeah. long, spidery haunches. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> it's so He's weird. really... It's like, that's one of the scenes where I was like, okay, this is funny because of what's happening, but just looking at him and, like, imagining that sitting behind me, I'm like, no, that's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's genuinely creepy. Like, if you took him out of Dark Green Duck and just plopped him anywhere else, he would be pure nightmare fuel. Would he keep Um, the bill, or would he just be, like, humanoid? I could see him being, like, humanoid, but having, like, a fake duck bill. That's even scarier. <laughs> right? Oh. Let's turn off let's turn off the lights and continue talking about this episode. It's spooky. <laughs> so so yeah, Goslin is upset that, you know, nothing is electronic here. Drake's biggest concern is that he whether Quacker Jack is going to come and steal the, the toys. As he's saying this, Quacker Jack in a trench coat and fedora <laughs> tippy toes behind him. <laughs> Because, yes. And as he stops and he waggles his eye ridges, <laughs> eye mounds, because they're not eyebrows. Eye mounds, okay. At <laughs> <laughs> the camera, like everybody's just smashing the fourth wall in this episode, which is fine. And out, out of out of the the scene but in narration like in the narration part of it darkwing says i knew he was there the whole time (laughs) yeah okay drake so there's not really too much like as far as things that i super paid attention to in the toy museum like there's a big chatty kathy kind of looking doll in the corner or whatever they call her in this show what would they call her something Deborah while you work I don't know she's but she's crying but yeah there's a giant doll in the corner there's like this display case that has like balls and drums and all different kinds of things in it but there is an alcove that I think is the doorway that they came in from that honest to god just looks like it has Legos glued to a wall I thought initially when I saw that it was like you know a crime scene outline of a body but on a wall (laughs) And I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Why would that be there? And I stared at it, and it, you're right. It looks kind of like they glued Legos to a wall. Maybe it was all the outlining the man who stepped on one Lego too many <laughs> and died. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was it was interesting. 
Um, and Quacker Jack just has snuck into this museum, supposedly, but just immediately whips out a giant sack out of his coat and starts cramming antique toys into it. And amid this, nobody notices this. And um, Launchpad is enamored with the first edition Electro Zapper to- Joy Buzzer. And Goslin immediately chooses violence and steals it and zaps Drake on the butt with it. And there is a lot of things happening to Darkwing's butt in this episode. <laughs> there really is. There really really is the man is not going to be able to sit for a week um but because of this mischief it awakens the entity inside the jack in the box as uh Ange said earlier it is the late great phil hartman and uh what what happened with him is also a crazy story that you know you should look up if you don't know um so, yeah, in the midst of the, the joy buzzing and all that nonsense, Trey ends up on the ceiling fan and Goslin immediately turns it on so that he spins around. And ultimately, he winds up in the arms of the giant oversized baby doll that's been standing in the corner. And as he's, I don't even know how his legs got tied into knots, but as he's untying his legs, some rando guy in there is like, you a little pig for playing with dolls. <laughs> Which makes the other museum goers cackle as if they are all not in a toy museum. <laughs> you all paid to get in here. Who, whomst do you think you are? So, yeah, it's just, come on, guys, read the room. So Goslin hauls Drake off to, uh, the arcade she's like we're getting out of here she's like let's go play some video games and this is overheard by super secret <laughs> this guy is quackerjack and he re- loses what remains of his mind in this instant <laughs> he's just like video games and is all but frothing at the mouth as he leaps across the museum to get in their way and says Video games? You're leaving to play video games? It's just that sort of talk that drove me out of the toy business and into the loony bin. And then, of course, boys and girls, and all in between, it's playtime. Yay! So, yeah, that's it. So... Drake is just standing there as Quackerjack just beats the crap out of multiple security guards. I think he ki- he kind of kills. He doesn't really kill them. He incapacitates like seven of them though, yeah. six or seven. Like a whole bunch of them show up, and they're just like, yeah. He's he's surprisingly good at what he does, even though he's really silly and toy based. He's actually pretty dangerous. And also, I think this is one of the few times that one of Darkwing's villains actually interacts with him as Drake Mallard. The only other one I can think of off the top of my head is Tusker Nini in that one episode, Adopticon, where he goes to live at the Mallard household. Mm. I don't think... Oh, and I guess Megavolt, too, at Clash Reunion. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any other episodes really where... They meet Drake at any point in time, which I thought was kind of interesting. So in the middle of all this, I I paused to take my notes. And there's a scene where Drake gets 
smashed by a bouncy ball, I think. And Quackerjack leans down to him to sass at him. And they, it's, I sent it to Ange because I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it seems like they layered the cells wrong, mm-hmm. the animation cells. And it's just like his his hat is behind his ruff. And you can see the bookcase through his head. I'm like, what is that? Somebody get a doctor. He's partially invisible, which was a, a superpower that I did not know that Quacker Jack had. He's and full of surprises. He certainly is. Paddywhack is just providing like near constant unsettling commentary this whole time. Like, yes, yes, <laughs> scrumptious. Like, no. So creepy. And uh, Quagger Jack is cramming everything he can into his getaway bag, including Drake. And that's where he apparently has his quick change into Darkwing because he couldn't find some place to change before, but now that he's out of sight, he can. And <laughs> as the blue smoke is billowing out of this bag, we go back to narrator Goslin, who's like, we could just skip this next part. <laughs> <laughs> and Darkwing's like, no, no, this is the good part. Yeah, yeah, Dad did his Darkwing stuff. I am the yo-yo that keeps coming back or something. I love her. She's so great. And uh, I think that's I think that's the only one. I think that's the only Eye and the Terror in this episode. And then Goslin continues on with her narration. And we don't, she doesn't, narrate it like verbally but we were watching the show and everybody's moving super fast and it's Darkwing and it's uh, Quackerjack fighting and we just hear Darkwing in the narration being like you're going too fast slow down slow down and then of course it goes super slow motion right when he gets bit on the the butt by a chomping chattering teeth (laughs) thing and we get to see him go Oh my god, that killed me. That was just, that was too funny. I don't know how they decided to write this episode where they came up with the idea to do this as a flashback, but it was just perfect. It's great. So after that, the Jack in the Box is just bursting with uh, joy, pulsing and growing and launching itself into Quacker Jack's loot bag. And we get quite a bit of miscoloration on Quacker Jack in this episode where his hands are orange. So he, you know, he goes to pick up some wacky putty and his arms are, are orange. See you on the playground. And this is so, so weird. The wacky putty rips Darkwing's face off <laughs> when Goslin pulls it off. And the museum cacklers return and just start hysterically laughing as Darkwing's faceless body is standing there and trying to get his face back from Goslin. It's so creepy looking. I was like, ugh, I don't like this. Just another day at St. Canard where apparently this is business as usual. People just lose their faces. Yeah, they're just cackling and cackling and cackling. And this episode... Is super Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah. This is all like, every 
all the hits on this episode are like super like but yeah so he mushes his face back on and it's upside down of course because comedy and that's it for our heroes for a bit and then we go to quacker jack's hideout maybe possibly i don't know it looks pretty damn nice wherever he is it looks like a a penthouse in a apartment or something in like a high rise yeah i was wondering if it was like his old like manufacturing company and this was like the penthouse slash his office but it's got like glass paneled ceilings and it's pretty pretty damn nice uh i'd i'd plot there 10 out of 10 uh quacker jack is on the inside obviously this building and he's on a, a rocking horse cranking the jack in the box and the rocking horse uh, is just such a shell shock looking thing with big googly eyes and it made me laugh because it reminded me of this really weird anime movie that i used to watch as a kid called Unico and the Island of Magic. <laughs> have you ever heard of it? I've heard of Unico, but I have not seen the movie. So there is a creature in that movie called the Roller Dragon, which is a toy dragon, but it's huge, and it has, like, those same kind of googly eyes, and it's kind of, like, the bane of their existence. It's him on a little girl running away from the Roller Dragon for like the last 15 minutes of the movie and this thing just it it kind of looks like it was made by a kid like a little cup styrofoam cup mouth and every time it opens its mouth it does like a little burst of fire and goes "Ah!" (laughs) it's me every time so then the the, this this rocking horse breathes fire too i'm like oh my god it is a roller dragon so that's that's my aside there Going back on topic, um, yeah, so he cranks up the jack in the box and it's empty and he's disappointed and he throws it o- over his shoulder as one does. And then Paddywhack's lanky shadow stretches out on the wall and possesses Mr. Banana Brain. And I think it's also very effective too that we don't see him mm-hmm. for the first chunk of this too, which is always like the rule of horror movies like as long like the longer you can until that monster reveal is is the best way to do it in my personal opinion so patty whack is now possessing mr banana brain and he gets we get to our first of will you play with me mr banana brain your voice has changed i like it and quacker jack bless his little heart takes it all in stride you make him talk. You make him talk. He this doesn't. Is not you talking. He, he doesn't know that apparently. I think he truly <laughs> believes that Mr. Banana Brain talks on his own. He's a real boy. Uh, so yeah. So then they decide to go have some fun together, and a quick cut to I don't know. They say it's a restaurant. It's a really strange setup. Whatever it is, it's kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese. Slash, like, McDonald's play place, but they have pizza. I I don't know. But, and there's arcade games. So, there's, we get to pan through and see everybody having a good time. And Cracker Jack is standing in the doorway. And then just a little angry Mr. Banana Brain comes walking up next to him. 
like like pretty funny to the size difference in, between them. And Quack, oh, not Quacker Jack. Patty Whack is just so creepy, as we'll say a thousand times until our voices give out. But he says that this is the perfect place for him to tie on the old feed bag. <laughs> oh, what a poet. And we have some more miscoloration here of Quacker Jack's hands being orange. And he's like, oh, pizza's bad for your skin or something like that. And in his best little Bella Lugosi impression, he goes, Oh, I don't eat pizza. And then he just starts going around and screwing with people. Like, there's a guy who's crushing on this 90s-tastic girl and pulls out the chair for her to sit down. She sits down, and then with the strength of a thousand gorillas, Paddywhack lifts up the chair and just throws the girl on the ground. Her name? Dumps her. I will have you know, her name is Melanda. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, she landed on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And that poor boy's heart was broken into a thousand pieces. And then there's a floating banana puppet laughing at him and snapping at him. And the next guy doesn't really make sense considering what kind of place they're in. He's this big businessman in a suit but he's just got, like, a pile of food in front of him. I was like, is this man on his break from, like, the office? And he, this is where he decided to eat his lunch? I, I have questions. He he and, actually, um, he looks kind of like Mr. Mikey, the food critic from Malice's Restaurant, a little oh, bit. So I don't okay. know if he's, like, an early design or if they reused his design and changed it up a little bit for the later episode. But... That was who I thought of immediately when I saw that guy. Oh, let's just say it's him then. So he's coming to critique some food, and then the food, you know, attacks him. Little mouths trying to bite him, as we do. And then, of course, it all turns into a food fight. Because, of course, it does. But the real court, the real curse, the realest (laughs) curse of this episode is... And I only saw one of them until Ange sent me a screenshot before we started recording. And there are two. There are two bird people involved in this food fight that have human ears. (laughs) It's so so grotesque. It's awful. One of them kind of looks like like a gyro gear loose knockoff. And then there's another one like standing on a table getting ready to throw a pizza at some and it's just like oh, oh, uh, no it's like the gyro gear loose kind of looking guy has like the 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 frames of his glasses the arms of his glasses hooked on human ears listen if honker muddlefoot can have magic floating glasses on his face you cut those ears off of yourself <laughs> you monster <sighs> true the truest scariest moment of this show he must be a relative of Gyro, who is known to have human feet in the comics. Oh. So maybe they, they are some kind of blood relative. That God has forsaken. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, of course, in the midst of all this chaos, uh, that's when Goslin and Darkwing and uh, Launchpad show up and 
Launchpad's like, oh, are you going to do something about this? And Darkwing replies that he has better things to do than get involved in a food fight until a pizza hits him in the face. And he says, now it's gotten personal. And I was wondering if that was supposed to be a twofold because now it's personal because it hit him in the face. And was that a personal size pizza? Hmm. Huh? Were personal uh? were personal sized pizzas a thing back then? Yes. Huh. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. There wasn't enough wink wink in that, so I don't think so. But that was just me going, hmm, I wonder. So Darkwing is immediately like Quacker Jack, and then in a mumbled voice, like not at all sounding like Quacker Jack, Quacker Jack responds, You were expecting perhaps the galloping gourmet? Yeah, I didn't get that reference. I had to go back and like rewind it. I'm like, is what does he say? Because he he literally mumbles it to himself. So apparently the galloping gourmet was um, a TV personality who was a British guy. It was his on-screen persona. He would do, it was like a cooking show. And he would talk about food and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was actually taped in Ottawa. Oh, I didn't know that. But it was British? He was British. Oh. But yeah, it was a Canadian TV show. And he apparently like, went around the world, like eating food, and then would like you know come back. Apparently, he was also super into wine. There was a lot of wine on the show too. It was only on for a few years. It was 1968 through 1973, which is another weird instance of this show is for kids in the 90s. <laughs> like even still, like this is 20 something years difference I, I honestly had never heard of this person before so i'm wondering if he was really in the cultural zeitgeist anymore or if that was just somebody being like oh what if he says this i don't know it's just interesting weird yeah so the galloping gourmet we learned something today and so from there dark Darkwing upgrades himself from wet blanket to just straight out menace and douses the children who are in the food fight with a fire hose to undo Quacker Jack. He says, You'll not taint these children with your disrespect for authority! <laughs> and just half drowns a whole room full of children. <laughs> oh, Darkwing, you have way too much What? what is it? Way too much confidence in authority. <laughs> I mean, for someone who can't even... Keep his own kid in check. He sure does uh, like to preach. Uh, so now the children are half drowned. And Paddywhack goes through the old Darkwing keister again with the joy buzzer and frames Goslin because, of course. And, and we get... There's a couple times in this episode where they cut back to the present with the characters telling this story. Um, and this is one of them, obviously. And we get a nice aerial shot of the Audubon Bay Bridge, which is an interesting angle because it's it's like an, above the bridge. It's not the same you know shot that we see almost every episode. And we kind of zoom in from on top. And then there's a few nice interior shots of the tower. And it's got this fancy spiral staircase. And I liked those. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So then the story continues on. And Quacker Jack is talking to... Super, super pissed off Mr. Banana Brain 
saying, I thought you'd be happy to see that Darkwing was made a dunce. And Mr. Banana Brain just screams <laughs> at him. What have I got to be happy about? <laughs> so loud that Quacker Jack falls off the roof of the building they're on and has to hang on for dear life until he just ho- hoists himself back up. But he's just like the power of the scream knocks him backwards. And in an interesting glimpse of self-awareness, Quacker Jack says, Darkwing Duck always ruins things. It's no big deal. It's just part of the game. I thought that was a really super neat uh, characterization point for Quacker Jack. Because up to this point, we know that he's this loony kind of, he likes to play games. His catchphrase is is literally, it's playtime. But you think like most villains, he takes everything quite seriously. And that line in itself kind of tells us that he doesn't actually like it's all part of a game for him. Like he's just having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I've heard him kind of likened to the Joker, like he's the Joker to Darkwing Batman. And I know that's a big thing with Joker and Batman too. It's like it's not the Joker doesn't think it's fun unless he has Batman to screw with. So I thought that was interesting. I liked it, Me and too. then little angry Mr. Banana Brain screams at him, I order you to finish him off immediately, and then this one, Quacker Jack, actually does fall off the top of the building, and, but this time he's saved because the electric wires bounce him back up like a trampoline, because cartoons. And from there, we are no longer possessing Mr. Banana Brain as Paddywhack materializes in the real world, and he says, well, from now on, you can be the doll. Quacker Jack says, Mr. Banana Brain, what have you done to yourself? <laughs> and he screams at him again. He's just screaming at him like this entire scene. And he's like, don't call me Banana Brain. And just decks him with Mr. Banana Brain. He just throws the toy at him so hard that he just falls over. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn. And then we, he, he finally introduces himself. As- don't call me Banana Brain. <laughs> Well, you certainly are a snappy dresser, but a little short on color. <laughs> no, 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 the Neo-Mod look went out with the 80s. Nice drool though. You really are quite mad, aren't you? I like that in a clown. And it's all just terrible. It's all just so scary. <laughs> it's so creepy. Like, I don't like them together. I'm really glad that, like, they didn't kind of team up there because they could probably get into some real, real trouble if the two clown versions of them were traipsing around but this then triggers Paddywhack to try to capture Quacker Jack in the Jack in the Box and it turns into a vortex and Quacker Jack hangs onto a antenna and all of his clothes <laughs> just rip off him <laughs> except for his pants and his socks. And this is kind of an infamous scene here in the where is the truth kind of thing. Because he has no hair. <laughs> and I know a lot of people like to imagine him with hair. But he's just a completely bald duck man underneath his his cowl. Maybe he shaves it so that oh, it's not... he does. It's not, like, disrupting the hat. Mm-hmm. No, that's just, like... 
the mystery of Launchpad's hair. Does he have hair, or is it just is that one little ponytail thing in the front? Because we get all variations. There is no right answer. So, of course, he is fighting for dear life to not fly into this thing. Spoiler alert, he does. But before we see him get sucked in, we go down to the street, and Darkwing and the gang are down there on the rat catcher. <laughs> and... They hear Quackerjack scream no, and this made me laugh right out loud. Darkwing somehow launches <laughs> the rat, rat catcher vertically through the air in a vertical leap that's just the entire length of the building and just comes to a perfect landing on the roof. Oh my god. Like, the first time I've watched this episode, I guess I never noticed that or I wasn't paying attention probably because I was too busy mulling over bald Quackerjack. But I, I saw that this time, and I was like, how is that even possible? He just, like, he just, like, leapt onto the roof with the entire rat catcher without issue. Yeah, it's just like, well, we need it to be up there now. Don't ask questions, it's happening. So he just jumps the, the rat catcher up there, and he, uh, for some reason, um, Goslin and... and uh, Darkwing are not looking in the right direction and only Launchpad sees Quackerjack's hands desperately clawing at the ground getting dragged into the jack-in-the-box <laughs> and and another perfect super funny Terrence McGovern delivery Darkwing and Goslin go to investigate the box and he's like don't touch it and he picks it up and immediately drops it he's like oh god <laughs> Perfect. It made me laugh so hard. Poor Launchpad. He's having a hell of a time. So, when you think about it, it is now a Quacker Jack in the box. Uh, it is. <laughs> a million points to you. <laughs> and uh, he's distraught. He says, that thing ate Quacker Jack. And then Darkwing, in the spirit of being a good friend and very compassionate, it just immediately whips out the old man-eating toaster gag from Ghostbusters 2 and pretends like the jack-in-the-box is attacking him. Uh, but he's like, there's nothing going on, you big baby, whatever. So he, they take the jack-in-the-box back to Darkwing Tower, where Goslin and Launchpad are super creeped out by it. She tries to put it in a safe, and lo and behold, it's back where they left it. And... She says, I'm sure this is a perfectly logical explanation. And he goes, yeah, like this box is cursed. <laughs> and they try to run away, but slam into a fake door, Looney's Tunes style. And Goslin, as she's laying on the floor, says, Radical. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't agree, but okay. And then this part tickled me so much. Because in the narration, Launchpad takes over, and in a last-ditch desperate attempt to derail the spookiness, <laughs> interrupts this scary story with a story about them all going on a picnic <laughs> on a perfectly sunny, beautiful day. They're all holding hands and prancing through a Skipping forest. along. <laughs> it's just like, it was a beautiful day for Launchpad. Uh, yeah, so that doesn't that doesn't last very long, and then we're back to the the spooky times. And Paddywhack is creeping around the tower, 
wondering what they have to eat around here and he's looming over Darkwing who's sitting down at a computer crunching numbers trying to figure out where Quackerjack went to and this is where he's just super creepy because his legs are so long (laughs) that he's in the first part of the scene he's crouched down like he would be crab walking kind of and he's just shuffling around Darkwing as he like turns his chair so that he can't see him and then when Darkwing goes and looks back at his screen, Paddywax on there and makes some kind of noise, like a boogity boogity noise. But it's like if the Tasmanian devil stubbed his toe and like fell face first into a vat of pudding or something. And Darkwing, just completely deadpan, turns to the camera and goes, Oh no, I am so scared. Goslin, I told you not to watch your tapes up here. And Amelia starts yelling at Goslin. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me the, of the discussion we were having recently where you said that cat owners, if like a ghost was trying to scare someone that had a cat, cat owners would just assume it's their cat making noises because they're yeah. like scratching and knocking stuff over and you assume it's the cat. It's just yeah. that, except Darkwing has a Goslin instead of a cat. <laughs> Yes. And even, so he's assumes it's her. Goes on the launch pad and another part of the tower are nailing the jack in the box down, trying to keep it shut. And then we go back to Darkwing and he's floating in the air on his chair and things are levitating all around him. And he's still telling himself, look, I'm not sure how she does it, but Goslin will not get a rise out of him. Ha! It's just like, nope, not haunted, not even a little bit. Damn it, Goslin, that damn cat. <laughs> so then until he gets dumped on the table that they're working at and breaking the jack-of-the-box free, and he's like, oh, Goslin, and she's like, it wasn't me. And then he says, I think I'm ready to believe you, and points to the Quacker Jack standing behind, or Paddywhack, rather, standing behind them. And we get another, will you play with me? And... We zoom in on his eyes, I think, at this point, and we go to commercial break, and when we come back from a commercial break, <laughs> Darth Launchpad is laying, like, in a coma on in a bed, and Darkwing is taking his blood pressure as he's frozen in terror. And he goes, okay, he's stabilized, you could go on. <laughs> oh, God. And Goslin says, glad to see I haven't lost my touch. And she's so proud of herself. It's like, this poor man is dying. Just let, let him live his life. <laughs> uh, so then we go back to the story and Darkwing is going on about how, oh, what's Quacker Jack too scared to come on his own? And he, he calls paddywhack like the geek patrol or something and he goes into a giggle fit that makes his head like 360 around as he's laughing like in the exorcist and it's really kind of creepy and then darkwing says whoa talk about not having your head screwed on right (laughs) like if he didn't say that and if it was any other show (laughs) like that would be really creepy (laughs) um and then Paddywhack is like, oh, Quackerjack is a minor player. He's not even in our league. And he leans into Goslin. And Goslin says, what league? And angrily turns 
Like, she's so angry when she says it, but she immediately turns and hugs Darkwing. It's so cute. I love she's that. Like, I'm tough. Like, at the end of the day, she still needs her dad, and she just hugs him for safety, and he kind of, he, like, shields her protectively. I thought that was adorable. Yeah. It is adorable. It's so cute. Because it's, like, it's easy to forget that she's a little girl. You know, like, that she's only, like, ten. And, of course, she'd be, like, putting on a brave face, but I'm just going to hug my dad real quick. And, uh... So then he reveals that Goslin is the whole reason he woke up, because of the whole joy uh, buzzer gag. And he's must be fed. And then he goes on to talk about how... Mischief, that's what I crave. And then Launchpad Launchpad faints. Launchpad faints like four times in this scene, I think. And Darkwing says, Gee, is that how you're you stay so thin? Because Darkwing is unruffled by anything, apparently. And Paddywhack goes into this full-blown rant at Darkwing about how he's ruined all his meals, and as he's talking, his head is inflating. <laughs> it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it explodes and Launchpad faints again. <laughs> and at this point, Darkwing has just had enough. And he sends a flying kick at Paddywhack with the the token awesome Jim Cummings crazy sound effects that are like, And Paddywhack crumbles and immediately rebuilds himself. And he's like, well, I'm, if this is how you're going to be, I'm leaving. But you're not invited to the party. And he goes back into the jacket box. And Goslin, tempting the universe, is like, I wonder what party he was talking about. And Paddywhack's like, oh, well, everybody's going to be there. Mr. Uh, Crackerjack, Mr. Banana Brain, and of course you. And tries to suck her in. And Darkwing grabs her. And shoots a grappling hook to launch pad, who then, like, tug-of-wars it against the suction of the jack-in-the-box, and Darkwing ties the rope around Goslin and gets sucked into the jack-in-the-box instead. Like a hero. <laughs> like, see? This wouldn't have happened in Slime, okay? You're okay. He's being a good dad in this one. He is a very good dad in this one. Mm-hmm. So then the inside of the... The jack-in-the-box is its own little dimension-looking thing. But it's kind of like if Salvatore Dali was doing commission work for Goofy, because it's all kind of weird, clown, dopey-looking stuff. And Darkwing is like, no one makes a clown out of Darkwing Duck. It says Darkwing Duck as he's dressed as a clown. <laughs> <laughs> and then he tries to rip off the clown clothes, and there's more clown clothes underneath, and then... Another set and another set. And he just looks stupider and stupider the more he rips them off. And then we see look over and Quackerjack is in a suit and he looks so miserable, but he's still he's got like the jester tail hat on, but is just wearing a, a dull gray suit and he's just whining about how he Darkwing gets all the good clothes. You gotta save me. If I stay here any longer I'll go crazy. The Darkwing just goes, Go <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't hold a little thing like sanity against a guy, would you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, Mr. Swam, this straight, this straight jacket. Who <laughs> who are you to throw stones? So then uh, Quacker Jack's like, we're going to have to team up. And Darkwing's like, team up with you? That's a laugh. And then Paddywhack starts laughing. And Quacker Jack goes, no, that's a laugh. <laughs> and then uh, Darkwing comes around and he's like, you know what? Yeah, let's work together. And says, Quacker Jack, 
let's get ridiculous. And then their grand plan, which works, of course, is because Paddywhack feeds on misery, that they're going to have the best time. So it just turns full-blown Looney Tunes Mm -hmm. in this next minute or so. It's just insane. Like, pianos are falling on people. There's random doors to nowhere that Mack trucks drive through and giant boxing gloves punching people. And they shrink Paddywhack down because he's not getting the misery that he needs. And they joy buzz him and he lands on a whoopee cushion. And at the same time, Darkwing Quackerjack go in super high-pitched voices. Oh, goodness! <laughs> what is happening here? Um, so, yeah, suffice to say, Paddywhack is not super enjoying this and doesn't want to play with them anymore and jettisons them out of the jack-in-the-box back into the real world. Into Darkwing Tower! But Quackerjack, mm-hmm. I think, got knocked out, so he probably did not get to witness Darkwing Tower. I assume uh, they just took his unconscious body and either threw it over into the bay or dropped it <laughs> off. <laughs> More realistically, probably. <laughs> I mean, that is what they do with the Jack of the Box, so it wouldn't. This is just like, well, time to dispose of it in the usual manner. Just throw it over the side of the bridge. I would assume, I guess, they dropped him off probably at a police station, but I think that. Quackerjack is the second villain to ever step inside Darkwing Tower. I think Megavolt is the only one aside from that. Mm. So yeah, so they they throw it off, they take the the jack of the box and they throw it into the river and it seems like a bad idea, but okay. <laughs> and it's it's synced until it's swallowed by a fish. And then in the present <laughs> they're still trying to revive Launchpad as he's fainted now on a couch and Goslin's fanning him. And that was the end of Paddywhack. And Darkwing does, yep, yep, yep. You see, LP, all Darkwing Duck cases have a happy ending. And then, because of course, oh, well, he didn't launch Pat says, so I'm glad this one's over. And then Paddywhack starts laughing off screen and everyone runs to go look. And lo and behold, he's possessed the fish. That swallowed the jack-in-the-box, which was exactly why this was a bad idea, you guys. <laughs> and they all look at each other, and then the credits roll. <laughs> so, uh, is this a good? Is this a happy ending, Darkwing? This looks like uh, you done goofed. You done went and goofed. And Maybe they... uh, Launchpad's misery from fainting several times and having to listen to that story gave Paddywhack the energy to possess the fish and come oh. back. Oh. That's it. Ed Cannon accepted. Did you? So you, that was it. Yeah, you didn't. Wa- you didn't read the comics, right? No. He comes. Paddywhack comes back in the comics, in the bay, like buried deep within the bay, and he randomly reappears in the Crisis on Infinite Darkwings arc. Spoiler alert! At the end of the arc, and he possesses Negaduck. And turns into this massive paddywhack negaduck hybrid that looks horrifying. And he's just like this giant roaming through St. Canard and stomping on stuff and squishing people. And then they use the power of love to get rid of him. Aww. 
I mean, but who in that position? Who's more possessed by who? Like, is Neg <laughs> like is Negadek possessing Bannywack? Who, who can say? But no, that's that's interesting. But it also like them like dumping him into the river. It just reminded me of the beginning of um, the mask. Mm, yeah, where the mask is washes up on shore, and babyface Jim Carrey finds it. It would have made sense to give the box the the Jack in the Box to Morgana because she deals in all things supernatural and she probably knew a spell that could have contained him or she could have found a place for him to live happily ever after, I guess. Because like, like, they know how to beat him now. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything to safeguard him getting out. Like, he's not trapped in the Jack in the Box. So they basically just, like, threw him over the side to to just continue on doing his thing. Release him back into the wild, which is what they would have done with Quackerjack as well. <laughs> just catch and release program for villains. Oh, oh that's funny. <laughs> so, so there we go, everybody. This is uh, the one and only Paddywhack episode. He made a very lasting impression as... And had mentioned, he does show up in a non-speaking role in the DuckTales re- reboot. Oh, yes, he um, does. So he, he definitely made his mark on some young, impressionable minds that worked on that show as well. And he sure is creepy. Mm-hmm. I have seen a really cool fan theory about him teaming up with Nodoff. From the Ghoul mm. of My Dreams episode, and I think that would be a like a really cool team up. They could get into some some serious trouble. Like it seems like that could be like a Freddy Krueger kind of situation. If Paddywhack ended up in the Negaverse, would he just become incredibly powerful, or would he just start vomiting because he's eaten too much misery? Because <laughs> the Negaverse is just pure misery. He's just purely saturated misery within five seconds. Possibly, possibly. But yeah, and uh, we Ra- did that. What's your uh, your rating for this one? Oh, my rating for this one is five out of five. I would think. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. It's got you know all the different elements that we've discussed all over the place now. With the the, the narration that it's being told as a story, that there's all the interruptions, and just Patty Whack himself is interesting, and it's it's fun to see Barker Jack. In his element, but also kind of out of his element with Paddywhack. So, I like the five out of five. How about you? I'd give it, so, I have to kind of split it up into two categories. Five out of five for everything you just said because of the story and the dialogue. Like, everything's funny in it. Like, there isn't really anything that misses in this episode. Mm -hmm. The only thing that is off is, like you said, there's Cheeto Jack. Like the, the, <laughs> the, the miscoloring of Quackerjack and like there's parts where the animation isn't the greatest. But on the whole, like it's a really good episode. It's spooky. It's something fun to watch around Halloween. If you're looking for uh, a bunch of scary things to watch, that's one of them. So, yeah. So would you say you're like a 4.8 out of 5? Yes. Okay. All right. And again, no herp model foot, so it can't be higher than a five. So let's consult 
our spooky wheel and see what we will be watching next week. How long did it take you, you to prediction? think that? How long did it take you to think that one up? I I was on the fly, my dear. <laughs> oh, and even though who even knows when this episode will go up, you might be well over Halloween at that point, but perhaps we will be closer to Valentine's Day, which would make watching my Valentine ghoul all the more romantic next week. One of my favorite episodes, even though it's actually got a lot of issues with it, but I'm biased. Yeah. It's Morgana and Negaduck in one episode. It's a good time. Yep. So next week we will be discussing My Valentine Ghoul, and I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot to say about that episode. <laughs> good. Excellent. I, I can't wait to hear it all. So for now, we will bid you adieu. Thank you for playing with us. And uh, just remember that crime doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Goodbye. Ooh.